Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yeah. 
Sun descends on Friday night, a stillness fills the air. I see a Jew who seems so distant, standing very near. He's passed this way before, he might just live next door. But somehow he's someone we've ignored. He watches as we walk to show our hearts so full of love. Dressed up in our finest to thank the one above. Yet none could find a way. Make time in their day to ask him if he'd like to come and pray. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Just one Shabbos, come and join with me. We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high. We will show them all it's true. Let them come and join us too. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be just one shout is coming, join with me. We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high. We will show them all it's true. Let them come and join us too. I said to him, hello, my friend. He seemed a bit surprised. I wished him a good Shabbos. Confusion filled his eyes. I've seen you all before. I'd love to learn much more, but I've never done it all, I'm just not sure. I asked him, won't you join with us to understand and see? He came and stayed a while and thanked us happily. Next Shabbos came along, his feelings grew so strong. He first began to feel that he belonged. Just one shot. in his life, shared it with his family, his children and his wife. They learn new things each day to live the Torah way, the message of one job is here to stay. And now I never miss a chance to stop and look around, invite some people home to share the sights and sounds of Shabbos candlelight and Miro's Friday night. Get to see Jewish soul ignite. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Shabbos project, come and join with me. We'll sing and.
Eighty years a life of courage through times of senseless hate. Say to your waist, kept that smile and wiped our tears away. Promised us there'll come a time when we'll always say, Shabbos now, Shabbos now.
Shalom, 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 Shalom,
Schabes ist ab und finde Ruhen vorgelegen. Schabes an alle kommen durch Kriegen. Me esst du, me trinkt du, me singt anigen. Lüch, wo wollt Wir danken dir in Leuben, dir heilige Beure. Du hast die Hast gegeben, die heilige Teure. Denn aus einer Lange, teure Asemes, teure Asemes. Wir danken dir in Leuben, dir heilige Beure. Du hast die Hast gegeben, die heilige Teure. Denn aus einer Lange, teure Asemes, teure Asemes. Jedisch hab es keudisch kommt und geht aber und von jedisch zu reisen nimmt als nicht keine. Horribel scheut zwei tausend Jahren und nicht weit in Freg ich bei dir, Gott in you, oh, wo's wird sein der Song. In die Schule schwingt ganz dunkel, mir kann kein kommen sein. Steht mein Vater Jankel dort bei Moment ganz allein. Mischt in mich dem Sidden, in die Sorge, der Wider in Wider. Schiebt, schiebt, Mein Hilf kommen, dein Hilf wird kommen von sein Lieben, heiligen Nummer. Der Schaf ist kritisch, geht da weg, die Woche soll kommen zu gesund. Und alle zu Resonen nehmen am Weg, wir sollen keinen Gott leben. Bald gehen wir auf in unser Land, das Land von allen Gitten. Und wenn wir alle wählen bei Namen, dem Schabes heilig hitten. 
Friday morning, a very different Mo's tour than from the one we are uh, generally used to. That is the Friedman family, led by Avramel Fried, of course, and Mo's tour. Shabbos Kodesh, Yankee Lemmer, he also had the Mimkomchi heard in there. Shira Hadasha Boys Choir with Kel Adon, Shlomo Katz with Bowie and Likrat Shabbat. Eighth day had its Shabbos now, just one Shabbos from the Shabbos Project, the Edidim Choir with Good Shabbos. Tzvilot Shabbat with Micha Gammerman and, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 26th, day 22 in the month of Kislev, the year 5782, Tufshin Pei Bay, of Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev with candle lighting time in New York at 410. Candle lighting very, very early, 410. Make sure you know when things start where you are, wherever you might be. Rosh Chodesh Teves is next Shabbos and Sunday, so we'll bench Rosh Chodesh Teves tomorrow again. Shabbos next week, Shabbos Chanukah, and Sunday of Chanukah is when we'll observe Rosh Chodesh Teves. And of course, Chanukah does begin Sunday night. We'll try to sneak in some Chanukah selections <laughs> into our broadcast. <coughs> excuse me, into our broadcast today to commemorate the fact that we'll be lighting the first candle this coming Sunday night. Forty-five degrees with eighty-three percent humidity. Winds are west at six miles per hour. Rain today with a high temperature of forty-seven. Then tonight. Partly cloudy and a low of 33. Wow. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high Shabbos. 42 degrees. 67 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 45 here in New York as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's going to join us coming up here at JM in the AM at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. We'll do the weekly update. 
Feel free to comment on the app about anything happening in this crazy world of ours. Why not? Uh, so weekly update at 740. Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour. Rabbi Yudin live from Israel in the 8 o'clock hour. That's pretty cool. And Rabbi Yudin is live with us. That's always exciting, uh, especially when it's from Israel. Usually it's from Israel when he's live. Um, so we'll have that for you. And what else did I want to mention? Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg, Malcolm Holmline coming up. Simcha Herbstman's going to uh, check in <clears throat> from... Um, from Kupat Ezra. They have a special Hanukkah campaign going on. We'll talk about that. And, of course, much, much more. At 10 o'clock, the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, which is being played to critical acclaim every single week. He has a great one for Parshas Vayeshev coming up. Mark Zamek and the Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. The Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by wonderful people at Kedem. The final hour at about 3.10 brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That is why we always say... That once you, well, we usually say it for Thursday, but for today I'll say once you hit Friday th- this week, there is absolutely no reason to touch that dial. Once you've hit Friday, there is absolutely no reason to touch that dial. Just leave it on until candle lighting time. As Hanukkah approaches, Avrami will host Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. On uh, Sunday, Matis will host JM Sunday, early Sunday morning, between 7 and 9 a.m. on Erev Hanukkah. And, of course, Monday, first day of Hanukkah, we're right here at JM in the AM, and make sure you are tuned in. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world of web and AlchemSigul.com and the AlchemSigul Network, and of course, any beloved NSNF. Galat's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Again, we bench Rosh Chodesh Teves is coming Shabbos. Tomorrow, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh Teves. Shabbos and Sunday of next week. Is Rosh Chodesh. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday Arab Shabbos is next to JM in the AM. Galitzal, Ashashtaim, Shalom Rav, Ulpan, Dani Zakeni, Mashekore, Akshav. חשש כבד לגל חדש וחמור יותר של מגפת הקורונה בשל גילוי מקרים של הזן האפריקאי החדש בישראל. הזן התגלה אמש באישה בת 34 שהגיעה ממלאווי. היא הוכנסה לבידוד במלונית, אך חמקה משם, נסעה באוטובוס לאילת ולנה בבית חברתה. עם הגעת השוטרים אליה הבוקר היא נמלטה שוב, אך לאחר זמן קצר נתפסה, והיא מועברת באמבולנס לבידוד. שתי נדבקות נוספות בזן החדש הגיעו מדרום אפריקה והן שוהות כעת בבידוד. הנדבק הרביעי הגיע ממדגסקר דרך טורקיה. כל הארבעה דיווחו כי הם מחוסנים, ואחת מהן חוסנה גם במנת הדחף לפני מעט יותר מחודשיים. הדבר מעלה חשש כי הזן החדש מגלה עמידות גבוהה לחיסונים וכן יכולת הדבקה מהירה יותר מהזנים הקודמים. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרה וולברג מוסרת כי ראש הממשלה נפתלי בנט זימן דיון חירום ושם עדכנו אנשי משרד הבריאות על התפשטות הזן בעולם. הדיון הסתיים לפני זמן קצר ונקבע כי מחר תכונס ועדת השרים לקורונה. בנט ושר הבריאות הורוביץ זימנו מסיבת עיתונאים דחופה לשעה שתיים וחצי והיא תשודר בשידור חי כאן בגלי צה"ל. הבוקר הורה בנט לקדם רכש של ערכות בדיקת PCR המותאמות לזיהוי מוגבר של הזן החדש וכן לזרז רכש של התרופות לקורונה מחברות פייזר ומרק. כתבנו לענייני בריאות שי פרידמן מציין כי אמש הוחלט על הגדרת מדינות באזור דרום אפריקה אדומות וכעת צפויות הגבלות נוספות ובהן איסור כניסת זרים לישראל. 
בבורסות העולם ירידות חדות בשל הגילויים על הזן החדש והחשש מהתפרצות אלימה יותר של הקורונה. המסחר במדדים העיקריים בבורסות ביפן ובהונג קונג נסגר בירידות של 2.5% ובמדדים המובילים באירופה נרשמת ירידה ממוצעת של 3%. לתאם פעולות הממשלה בשטחים, האלוף רסאן עליאן תוקף את מנהיג הג'יהאד האיסלאמי זיאד נחאלה על דבריו לערוץ הלבנוני אל-מיידין. נחאלה אמר כי ישראל לא הצליחה לרסן את עזה במבצע שומר חומות ולכן מנסה לעשות זאת באמצעות הקלות אזרחיות. הוא טען כי ישראל מנסה להפוך את עזה ויהודה ושומרון למחסני פועלים כהגדרתו והביע חשש שתושבי הרצועה יהפכו למחפשי הקלות. עליאן כתב כמה קל לשפוט את תושבי הרצועה והדגיש שהם בוחרים בפרנסה בזמן שנחלה מטייל בעולם. להודעה שפורסמה בדף הפייסבוק של המתאם צורפה קריקטורה של נחלה במטוסו אל מול תושבי עזה. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, דורון קדוש. מזג האוויר היום יהיה בהיר על מונן חלקית ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות בשבת התחממות. בעוד פחות מחצי שעה נגיש כאן בגלי צה"ל משטר מיוחד לסיקור מסיבת העיתונאים של ראש הממשלה ושר הבריאות על ההיערכות לבלימת זן הקורונה החדש. אלה החדשות.
boys and girls, don't forget to eat your favorite donuts on Hanukkah. And remember the great miracle that Hashem did for us so many years ago. We had such a fun time today learning all about Hanukkah. You know, playing dreidel is my favorite game. Happy Hanukkah, Uncle Moshe. My favorite donuts are jelly donuts. And my good friend, Cousin Nachum, he loves chocolate-covered donuts with colored sprinkles on top. Do you have a favorite donut, too? Lutkus are so yummy, especially when they're fried in olive oil. Did you know that the menorah in the base of Mikdash was lit with olive oil, too? I love to eat my potato latkes with homemade applesauce. My mommy makes me something delicious, a special treat for all to eat. I'm Hanukkah dishes. It's made with potato and oil to fry it. She makes a batch starting from scratch. You gotta try it. The taste is great. Believe it. So go get a plate and let's eat it. Laka laka yay yay. Laka laka yum yum. A reminder of a miracle. Perfect for Hanukkah. Laka laka yay yay. Laka laka yum yum. A reminder of a miracle. Made fresh for Hanukkah. brother loves to have his with sour cream. Visit my Zadie and my dear Bobby. 
There's latkes too, I eat a few, they taste so yummy. There's lots of sour cream and homemade applesauce. Try it and see, I'm sure you'll agree. I'll have some more, of course. The taste is great, believe it. So go get a plate, let's eat it. Laka laka, yay, yay. Laka laka, yum, yum. A reminder of a miracle. Perfect for Hanukkah. Laka laka, yay, yay. Laka laka, yum, yum. A reminder of a miracle. J.M. in the A.M. After all, we like emphasizing the uh, best parts of Hanukkah. And I know there are a lot of best parts of Hanukkah, but frankly, latkes is one of them. Simple as that. Uh, happy Hanukkah. That was also Uncle Moishi. Mordechai Shapiro, Zayn and Achnu to open up that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 410. Candle lighting on Sunday night for Hanukkah is candle number one. Um, Rabbi Yudin, I'm sure we'll speak about that coming up. Rosh Chodesh Teves next week is Shabbos and Sunday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Shabbos and Sunday is Rosh Chodesh Teves and Chanukah, as we keep saying, is Sunday night. 45 degrees, some rain today and a high of 47, and tonight partly cloudy and low 33. Mostly sunny for Shabbos, a high temperature of 42. 67 right now in Yerushalayim. 45 in New York City, as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Hello to Trucker Yitz. Happy Chanukah. Hello to Dr. Moshe in Pikesville. Happy Chanukah. Hello to Yudi. Have a wonderful Shabbos and Chanukah. And thanks to everybody out there who's uh, in touch with us on a regular basis. Wishing everybody a happy Hanukkah as we get set for Sufganiyot. Delicious donuts, great latkes, dreidel, chocolate coins, <laughs> al-hanisim starting Sunday night. Um, looking forward to a great holiday of Hanukkah. Please, God. Please, God. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JMNAM. Harry Rothenberg has uh, some things to say. About the um, about this week, Parshas Vayeshev. Let me see where we are. Here we go. Uh, Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Vayeshev, uh, right here for us at JM in the AM. When we read the tragic episode this week about Joseph, Yosef and his brothers, we see that Ruvain was trying very hard to save Yosef. He told the brothers, don't kill him. Let's throw him into a pit instead. And the Torah tells us that Ruvain's intention was to go back to the pit to rescue Yosef to bring him back to their father. But then Ruvain had to go away for a short period of time. And during that period of time, the other brothers sold Yosef. When Ruvain returns to the pit to save Yosef, he's gone. Tears his clothes in grief, goes back to his brothers. He says, the lad is gone, and I, where can I go? Commentators explain what he means is, where can I go to escape my father's grief? But that sounds a little self-absorbed. Why is he more worried about himself than he is about his father's actual grief? And why is he so worried? He was the least responsible person. He was the guy that was trying to rescue Yosef. The other ones were the ones who wanted to kill him and who ended up selling him. 
One commentator explains that the reason Ruvain had left for that short period of time was that he had gone to fast and repent over a prior transgression. If you look at last week's Torah portion, what had happened was that after Yaakov, Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, Mama Rachel, had died, Yaakov moved his bed from Rachel's tent to Bilhah's tent. Bilhah was the maidservant of Rachel. Reuven was offended on behalf of his mother. His mother, Leah, was Rachel's sister, another one of Yaakov's wives, and he felt that the bed should have been moved from Rachel's tent into Leah's tent. And so he went and moved his father's bed from Bilhah, the maidservant's tent, into his mother, Leah's tent. But he shouldn't have done that. He had no right to move his father's bed. And so he was repenting from that misdeed. Another commentator says, now we can understand what was going on. He was saying to himself, I'm at fault here. How can I escape my father's grief? I'm the one that brought this on. When I moved my father's bed, I downgraded his honor in the eyes of my brothers. And if I hadn't brought that honor down a notch, they never would have done this. They wouldn't have sold Yosef, knowing how much pain that's going to cause our father. So I'm the cause of this whole episode. And from this psychological insight, we can tease out some lessons. First, just how important it is to be careful with respect to the honor of our parents. It's tough nowadays because as parents, we want to be best buddies with our kids. I sometimes have to half-jokingly remind my younger boys that actually, guys, my name is dad, not dude. We want to be friendly, but we still have to make sure to keep that level of respect, whether it's from our kids or towards our parents. And also we see from here just how careful we have to be how wide-ranging the effects of our actions can be. Because everybody, all the time, is watching us. Not just because people are yentas, some people are, but people notice things. Your kids are watching you, your spouse is watching, your siblings are watching, like in this case, your parents are watching, your neighbors are watching, your employer, your employees, your colleagues, your friends, your clients, people on the street, everybody, everywhere, all of those touch points, everybody who comes into contact with you you do the right thing, you have no idea, you role model the right behavior and people imitate it, can have incredible, wide-ranging, inspirational effects. Convince other people to do the right thing. But unfortunately, the opposite's also true. You do the wrong thing and people are watching and they may take a lead from you. We have to be so careful all the time how we act. Big Gashakach to Harry Rothenberg. Uh, always has key words about the uh, Torah portion. But boy, this one this one was especially uh, hard-hitting. <laughs> but I say that in the nicest way possible. Thank you, Harry, and to you and your family, everybody at the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, a very happy Hanukkah from all of us here at the JM in the AM. Wow, very important words as we get set for Parshas Vayeshev and get set for an amazing holiday of Hanukkah coming up on Sunday night. Well, our good friend Simcha Herbstman is with us live via telephone. He is vice president of Kupath Ezra. Many of you are familiar. Frankly, I think the majority of our listeners are familiar because of this show uh, with the work of Kupath Ezra of Rockland County. Rockland County is one of the epicenters of Jew- For those of you listening around the world, Rockland County is one of the epicenters of Jewish life now in the New York, New Jersey area. It's been that way for a long time, but it just keeps getting uh, like that. It's more and more increasingly like that. As time goes by, Kupath Ezra of Rockland County, established 60 years ago, comes to the aid of struggling families, supplying them with funds for basic necessities. 
utilities, food, shelter. They distribute to over 800 families a month, over 1,000 families for Yuntif and emergency situations. It is a very, very worthwhile stucca. You can go to Kupath Ezra, that's K-U-P-A-T-H-E-Z-R-A-H.com, and donate and help this beacon of hope um, continue to do its amazing work for struggling families. However, Erev Hanukkah, and it's almost Erev Hanukkah, there's another additional reason to support Kupath Ezra. It's something called the Aim Habanim Hanukkah Campaign Fund. And uh, to uh, help us understand what's going on and just what the need is out there, Simcha Herbstman, Vice President of Kupath Ezra, is with us live via telephone. Simcha, first of all, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM and the AM, and a very happy Hanukkah to you and your family. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you so much. And first of all, regards to my partner, Kupa Cesar Mishinsky. He's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, and I have to give you a special thanks. You know, obviously the past two years with COVID has been difficult for all of us. But if we look at silver linings, uh, when COVID came up, we have our annual event. Usually it's uh, live. We had to do it online. Right. And we were trying to figure out how to make this work, how to, cre- how to capture the audience. And you and Miriam uh, did a great job for us. Uh, Nachum, without you, the SIFA, the, the, the online uh, event would, would not have been where it was. And uh, we are so grateful for you. you. You elevated it. And thank you so much. Can't uh, thank you enough for that. And uh, we've learned, because of the experience with you, just how vital a Tzedakah Kupath Ezra is. And I hope more and more of our listeners continue to support it. Now, Ama Bunham, you've explained, and we did a pretty good job explaining this. Uh, there are a lot of single parents out there. This is the bottom line in our community everywhere, but including Rockland County, there are hundreds and hundreds of single parents in very, very difficult situations. A lot of those situations are not financial, and there are a million ways that people can help. But right now we're dealing with the financial angle, uh, and you've set up a special Hanukkah campaign to support Aim Habanim. Why is there a need for a special Hanukkah campaign to support the Aim Habanim Fund. Sure, thank you. Well, the we started on Aim Habanim. Kuba says uh, distributes over 800 families stipends. Out of those 800, I'd say approximately 180 families are single mothers. They're almanis, mostly divorcees, and we found that they have a special need. Uh, these are women, mostly women that uh, have small children. That all that they, uh, you know, they they had a two-earner family, and all of a sudden they're out on their own, and they're at, and they have to act as a mother and a father to the children, struggling to both uh, raise their children, and earn a living. So we, our goal is with Ama Bunham, we want to give out large uh, stipends each year to these families, approximately ten thousand dollars. Hanukkah is a special need. As we all know, Hanukkah, we all get together. It's a time where families get together. It's a warm time around the menorah, uh, and we have our families around. This is a special time when these families notice that someone's missing at the table. The father's not there. It's like the menorah. He's not there to play with the children. So we felt it was a special time, and we wanted to give them physic. So we're giving out $1,000 as a gift to each of these 180 families, each of these 180 mothers. And it's not only financial. When the mothers see that, and some of these mothers feel isolated from the community, when they see that people are getting together and they care, then they feel they have a family. Well said. You couldn't have said it better, frankly. 
It's not just the $1,000, everybody. It is the connection, the fact that people know that other people care. And when you're in that lonely, not that thank God I would know, because Baruch Hashem, uh, my family is the way it is, but when people out there are experiencing the loneliness, being alone, feeling isolated, not able to adjust to the situation, then they know that someone out there is reaching out. It's pretty amazing. And by the way, this is uh, Simcha Herbstman. This is um, really <laughs> the additional benefit to the work that Kupath Ezra does every single day because every time they pay a utility bill, every time they set up a uh, an account at a supermarket for a uh, single parent and their kids, every time they <clears throat> arrange for tutoring or, or whatever the special situation might be, in addition to that service and that money, this parent is getting the feeling that somebody actually cares and that somebody's throwing them a lifeline, which is which must be very, very heartwarming for them. And we know how difficult Yuntif is. We know how difficult Yuntif is in general. As these uh, uh, families and children go to shul and uh, might be looked at differently or treated differently than other children, or not on purpose, obviously, you get what I'm saying. Uh, so the fact that on Hanukkah, which is such a family-oriented holiday, that they can feel connected to someone is just a tremendous additional bonus. Now, now I assume that the best way to do this is aimhabanim.org, right? Aimhabanim.org is the best way to do it? Yes. You go on aim it. You'll see some nice videos, some moving emotional videos about the families, what they're going through. And that's the best place to donate uh, for this Hanukkah campaign. By the way, I, before you continue, Simcha, I have some good news to report to you and to this audience. You're trying to do this for 180 single mothers in this case, and you're already at 31, meaning that uh, over $31,000 has already been raised of the $180,000 goal. So, Bezrat Hashem, you're well on your way uh, to making this happen. So, everybody out there, you see that this is not just a campaign that's fledgling. This is a campaign that's already very, very strong. And for that reason alone, you may want to join in. AimHabanim.org, E-I-M, that's E-I-M, Habanim, two A's in Habanim, AimHabanim.org. Dot org. Simply, you were saying. Yeah, I would like two more points. First of all, name uh, of as you mentioned, is not only a financial, uh, for financial needs. We are going to be like a triage center. We want to be a place where the single mothers can call us in any problems they have. If they need social help, uh, they need tutoring with their children. We will put them to the. We will connect them to the right organizations that help them. We want to be a one stop where these single mothers come and we can help them. Right. Also, um, I know uh, it's a Muncie organization, but I'd like to reach out to people outside of Muncie. Right. Normally, we don't really do mass advertising campaigns, but this time we thought there was a need um, because we heard from many single mothers in other communities that they would like organizations like this helping them out. So we wanted to be a starting point in Muncie, in Rockland County, for an organization like this. But success breeds success. And we're hoping that this will lead to other communities uh, starting the same organizations. I mean, that's how, if you look at Tomkei Shabbos, Hatzalah, they all started on one community, and the success allowed them to spread out to others. Not only that, they started with one family. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they started with one family they were helping, and now look what's going on with these organizations, including yours. I'm sure it started with one family 60 years ago, and, and look how it's grown over the years, so... Um, the the track record, as we like to say, the track record of Kupath Ezra is uh, well established. <laughs> when you're giving, you know you're giving to an organization that knows what to do with this money, frankly. And the Aim Abunim campaign 
has been uh, specifically designated to send a Chanukah gift to 180 single mothers. And a lot of these times, and I'm open about this with the audience, a lot of these times these campaigns and these conversations are sponsored because obviously people want to reach out. This is not one of those cases, folks. We did some work with Kupath Ezra a couple of times. Uh, we saw the incredible thing that they're doing in the community. And when Simcha Herbstman uh, and Rabbi Mashinsky expressed an interest in someone coming on today to discuss this campaign, we said 100%. This was not a this was not a business deal. This was us saying that uh, we know the work that you're doing and we want to encourage more and more people to support it. So, you know, all I could say is I am an eyewitness, an actual eyewitness to this special work of um, Kupath Ezra. Everybody out there, you want to enhance somebody's uh, Hanukkah? You could donate now at the rate of $180, which is $1 per family. You can donate at the rate of $360, which is $2 per family. You could give $900, which is $5 per family. And obviously, you can give whatever you wish. Just go to aimhabunim.org, aimhabunim.org for information. Hanukkah begins Sunday night. Let's make sure that some of the single mothers and their children in our community are taken care of in more ways than one. Simcha Herbstman, anything else you'd like to add, sir? No, I just want to say thank you. You said it the best. I just want to add thank you. And I just hope. Uh, with the successful campaign that we're going to bring happiness and light to these mothers and their children. I just wish all our families, everyone on your, all your listeners, they should have a wonderful Hanukkah, a warm Hanukkah with all their families and enjoy it together. Yeah. Uh, we want, we want everyone to look forward to Hanukkah the way we do and to experience Hanukkah the way we do. Simcha, thank you. A wonderful Shabbos and a Freilich and Hanukkah. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Aimhabunim.org. Aimhabunim.org. By the way, there's a phone number at Kupat Ezra. If you have a phone and you want to speak to them uh, and contribute, 888-MITZVOS. M-I-T-Z-V-O-S. M-I-T-Z-V-O-S. 888-MITZVOS. The Aim Habanim campaign is E-I-M. Aimhabunim.org. Aimhabunim.org. Give whatever you can. And to help Aim Habanim uh, and Kupath Ezra get to the goal of helping 180 single mothers and their children during this holiday of Hanukkah. Friday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up here at JM in the AM.
Some of the Hanukkah selections from the Yeshiva Boys Choir. Pretty amazing, huh? Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 410. And thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Our friends at A&H, Abels and Hyman, remind you that um, Shabbos Hanukkah is next weekend. And you want to make sure to have some delicious meat treats for everybody. So as you go into your major kosher supermarkets, make sure to check out the A&H, Abels and Hyman display. You'll be glad you did. Plus, of course, kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net. Use promo code radio for your 10% discount at kosherdogs.net. Malcolm Homeline coming up. We will uh, do our weekly update. And plenty more, including our Yudin live from Israel, all happening on an Erev Shabbos here at JMNAM on Thanksgiving weekend.
We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves is Shabbos and Sunday of next week, and Hanukkah, of course, begins on Sunday night. Someone, I think Rabbi Cash mentioned on the app about the clop. I think that, isn't that next week, the clopping three times? So we'll talk about that next week, please, God, if I remember. <laughs> this listener says, Rockland County, a.k.a. Muncie, Kupath Ezra, like JMM, there's so much for the Jewish community. Thank you. Please keep in mind, Aaron Svi Mayor Benmanya Rifka. Aaron Svi Mayor Benmanya Rifka for Rafua Shlema. More coming up, including Schlockrock right now at JM in the AM. Another eight miracles in life. Come on, bring it up to see that menorah on the window. We're gonna light it up tonight. Light it up, light it up, light it up, y'all. See that menorah on the window. We're gonna light it for eight nights. Yeah. Lenny Solomon, Schlockrock. It's Hanukkah night. 
Well, not literally. Hanukkah night will be Sunday night, but you get my point. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is joining us in a moment. We'll get his Hanukkah message and plenty more. There's uh, lots of news going on, as you would suspect. Doesn't seem like there's a week that goes by without a lot of news. Rosh Chodesh Teves is Shabbos and Sunday next week. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow again. Rosh Chodesh Teves is Shabbos and Sunday of uh, next week. Keep that in mind as we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have an amazing opportunity for everybody. You go to that website, you can print out thousands of articles before Shabbos, and then you can uh, use your long Friday night to catch up on some of the uh, interesting things that are happening in the world of news and commentary regarding Israel. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and take advantage. JewishWorldReview.com. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. And Mr. Holmline's voluntary dedication to this spot is only more evident when he makes an appearance on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you on uh, Yom Tov Shani. <laughs> you, you, you like that tribute, huh? If he's, Very much. If he's, Very rare. If he's, I'm, I'm going to pocket it when I can. If he's willing to be on on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, then either there's a lot of news or he's making clo- uh, quite a sacrifice. In this case, obviously, Malcolm, we believe it's both. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll get your Hanukkah message later on because the holiday does begin Sunday night. And in these crazy times, I don't know how anybody can describe these times in any other way. I think more than ever we need to uh, focus on the message of the holiday of Hanukkah. New South African variant seems to have been introduced uh, with a lockdown down there. Uh, it's funny, because, and, and Israel obviously is concerned, and some of us sometimes forget about the active corridor of tourism and visitation uh, from South Africa to Israel. It's interesting to have it, it, You and I discussed last week how these rules will probably not change at all for the next few months, and then we read literally about a rule change where you could get a 24-hour rapid antigen test now and get into Israel with that and not worry about a PCR test. But now with the new variant, uh, do you suspect that we're going to go back to what, to what we now know as the old way and that Israel might actually strengthen their crackdown a little bit more? Yeah, it's a new variant, and nobody knows how resistant it will be to traditional treatments. Uh, it just tells you how dangerous this virus is and why we shouldn't take anything for granted about how we deal with it. Um, and I think that the um, the danger here is, is of course, uh, that it spreads quickly. We've seen the rise in Europe, right. uh, many countries reverting, including Austria, to shut down for lockdown. So I think it's a, it's a reminder to all of us, and the, um, the markets are how seriously taken with these huge drops overseas, and I think in the United States as well. The um, you know so this is a it, it is a message to us, and whether they have to develop another vaccine or or alternate treatments is yet to be determined. So the Israel is already looking at. Um, greater restrictions. They did change the rule about a three-day PCR test to a one-day test uh, and no serology tests, but that could all change now. Have I missed, I'm being serious now, have I missed that? that or, or or just, you know, a byproduct of all this is they're always looking at new vaccines. Like, I didn't even realize there was an effort to possibly look at a 
new vaccine, but I guess the vac the vaccine, so to speak, is ever changing, right? And there's always uh, different improvements they can make. As, as and there are different. Look, we saw the pill that was announced. We've right. seen other things that were announced uh, as reflection of the fact that all the investigations are ongoing and they're looking. Right. At all possibilities. I got to ask you, if, if you're on a cordless, just move a little closer to the base, if you don't mind. You know, another thought that came across my mind, Malcolm, and, I, and, and you're probably going to say I'm nuts on this one, uh, and I'm reading too much into it, but when tourism reopened to the level that it did November the 1st, and, and I made the comment last week that one of the things I learned in Israel was was they're not as concerned with tourism as, as we Americans might think they should be. Um, I, I'm wondering if the two, three weeks of activity that the government saw and realized that there really is a strong benefit. I was wondering if that's why they may have changed the rule a bit and made it even easier to encourage more people, especially now it's Thanksgiving weekend, it's a good time to talk about it, to encourage more people to come in December during December and year-end vacations and obviously during yeshiva break. Am I reading too much into this? I think that the the numbers that I know of for for December, January are very high. As there's a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, people are still confused about the regulations, and if that clarifies, it will help. Uh, when I was there a week ago or so, um, they uh, they were anticipating a, a big increase. And the right. hotels generally still are empty during the week. They're filled on Shabbos with Israelis and others. There was a, a slow increase, but the projections were, were optimistic. We hope that that will be sustained. So I think that the government got a lot of complaints. A lot of Mechamri Knesset have been complaining to the government because of what they heard about people's difficulties in getting in and the lack of clarity. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that I've heard from hundreds of people about it, everybody trying to check about what what the real rules is and, and feeling fearing that they get there and they will be turned around or sent back, uh, and especially because there were the fake documents and many other considerations. Yeah. So, so there hopefully might, it'll be on the right track now on, yeah. on this. So there might be something to it, and there may not be something to it. Does the uh, does the procedures in the Netanyahu case, um, is it much different? I mean, I, I assume it has to be, but maybe you could explain just how different it is uh, to a large degree, maybe only to a small degree. Is it much different now that he's not in office anymore? Is the procedure different? Is media attention completely different? Even though a lot of high-profile stuff happened in the Netanyahu case this week, it doesn't seem like it's at the, that the reaction to it is at the same level as when he was in office. No, I don't think the process changes at all. Uh, the cases are scandalized still in the media. Uh, Netanyahu still looms large over the whole political scene. In the latest polls show him you know, 40 points ahead of whoever's next. Wow. With uh, or numbers like that, it, it, it's amazing to see it. Um, and the, the, you hear it when people talk about, about him, and yet I'm not sure that those people want to see him return. I think that they just are acknowledging that he was, he's a, a leader and uh, he was effective um, and that the current government, because it's such a broad coalition, is somewhat limited um, but uh, and seems to be not clear yet on the on the Iran policy towards America's uh, position on the Iran deal, although I think very clear statements came out in the last 24 hours, and the opposition to uh, a less and less agreement, which is where we seem to be headed, rather than a more and more or no agreement, given that they are failing to cooperate 
on any level, and that we see them stepping up their drone attacks on Israel and their capacity even to deliver by drone weapons to the West Bank from Syria, from other uh, places. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But the the you know the people are looking at the issues, and uh, he's he, so Netanyahu remains popular. The media in Israel tends to be very critical of him, hypercritical. So the, it's still the front page news every day, and it's still the subject of a lot of attention. So the best thing he can do is to stay out of the scene, but it's the last thing he wants to do. Well, he doesn't go all the time, but he did go to be in the court when Hefetz's, uh, his former aide and friend um, started testifying. And we'll see what the re- real impact of the testimony is. Because yeah. some people say that it's in some key issues it wasn't what the prosecution was expecting. But on the other hand, he did reveal um, things that even implicated uh, Netanyahu's wife and others. So we'll have to see. But I'm sort of saying, like, the best thing for him because of the popularity that he enjoys is to stay out of government. Because as you just described, he's, you know, pretty popular. And what he wants, of course, is exactly the opposite. One has to suspect he would want nothing less than to get back in as prime minister. So, and he, he would like to. And, and remember, he's what keeps he's the glue that keeps this government together. Yeah. That it's it's uh, you know against Netanyahu as much as it is for this uh, this coalition. Every time we think there's a rising star in that party, it just never materializes, huh? It's true. It, uh, people come and rise and then go down, and then the polls show them with 2 and 3% yeah. after very big media announcements. Uh, very strange. It's funny. It really it, it, uh, validates his political expertise, I guess, at staying so popular and being able to garner the number of mandates he did uh, during all these recent years, uh, even with all the trouble that he's had in the courts. Uh, what can you, we'll get back to Iran in a moment. What can you tell us about this attack in Yerushalayim that took the life of Eli K? Um, we're, we're, we're always reading about uh, Israel uh, squelching potential attacks uh, in different ways, but I guess we have to come to the reality that they're never all going to end. I think that the uh, this has struck people in a very hard way, both the, the nature of the crime, the, per, the perpetrator, who was on an Israeli salary, in fact, because he worked for the Jewish school that was under the Jerusalem municipality. He was well-known as a Hamas supporter. He's somebody who went to the Al-Aqsa every morning. Um, and, you know, his wife ran away the day before, came back after he was arrested. And whether she knew or people are saying now, it's because he became more and more agitated, more and more crazy. Uh, and the special nature of Mr. K, uh, by every account, a really special human being, personally and and in his service and working at the Minoru Tokotel, the Western Wall Foundation, uh, giving tours. Uh, but more than that, um, his army friends, and it's just horrific. And the courage of his father, his parents, and then getting up and saying, the lesson is that we we have to be together and, and you know, trying to calm down the anger and the tension over it. And it, it every aspect of it was quite remarkable. And the killer, uh, the fact that, that uh, he could be teaching in a school and conveying his radical message, I mean, it's, it was obviously a school of Arab children, but still, it's, it's quite remarkable. And then you see how the news um, obscured the facts how it didn't say, you know, CNN said one dead, four injured in suspected shooting attack. 
And then the AP's report was uh, that the Israeli police shoot dead Palestinian who killed one Israeli and injured four others. It, it's not believable to see uh, that even the Manchester uh, Evening News apologized, quote, unreservedly for a headline that said Palestinian shot dead after a holy site killing. Wow. That, that That's was a bad the headline that ran, and, wow. and it took them a while. But the protests were so huge in response to it that they had to apologize. And we see it, you know, completely um, uh, replete in the, in the media. The New York Times featured a video on its website called Mission Hebron that portrays Israel's military presence there as inherently evil. And it's, it's, um, they talk to, to employees, former employees, uh, uh, activists with Breaking the Silence, and we, we are seeing that the media throughout is, is not in any way uh, trying to correct its ways, trying to be balanced, trying to um, uh, they, they conceal the identity affiliations of the people they interviewed. Uh, I mean, we could go through all of them, but this is like a case study. And here you have such a blatant murder, and yet it's trying to be placed in a balanced situation, you know, as if this is just uh, the police acted against somebody innocent guy who just happened to kill a couple people. So to a couple of things on this. First of all, how do we lose this media battle? Is it more the atmosphere of 2021 and therefore it, it, it leads to a loss in this area where, where we just simply don't have the influence on CNN and other outlets uh, the way uh, we, our community uh, may have used to have had? Um, is it that more or is there a, a, a different clientele that is not, not clientele, is there a different type of, uh, of person who's now working for these news outlets than the way they were 20 years ago, much less sympathetic to Israel or going out of their way to create headlines like this? How would you evaluate we've gotten to this point now? Well, this is a seminar, not a, a – <laughs> uh, seriously, it's a serious yeah. question, and I would say that everything you raised is part of it. Um, and the, the, the serious impact this has on public opinion, especially younger people, yeah. And the one-sided um, stuff on the on the internet, which we are working on, and many are working with the, the uh, internet companies, but more importantly, monitoring it. And you see the influence, for instance, of Iran in promulgating these messages, and the um, the way that that you can see the trends when it comes to the anti-vaxxers or the anti-Israel. You can see where where it builds up and where it's coming from and how. It manifests itself. And here you have a generation that knows no history, that is that buys into the you know political correctness of the day, and they themselves manifest these hostile attitudes towards um, towards Israel, and in some cases even towards Jews. Uh, and it's the way to attack Jews is is to attack Israel. Right. The um, uh, but the level of, of ignorance and the clear bias that's inherent in the, in the reporting. And part of the problem is that in in our earlier days, people would call up the stations, they would blast them. Today, people are lazy. They don't call up. They don't make their voice heard. They don't say that, you know, we have other options and we're not going to, you know, watch your station. We're not going to buy your publications. It's really imperative. People have to make their voices heard. And it's... it's, um, and we see the clear bias in, in the languages, language that um, people use. The Washington Post it can't, <clears throat> won't tell the truth about that there's no Palestinian state. It never tells the history. 
that that the and the reason why the Palestinians uh, are in the position they are in is with their own hands, not not any outside influence, and certainly not Israel, uh, to the most part. And I think it's it's. Uh, a reflection of all of the things that you listed, and the internet makes it almost impossible to shut it down because for every site, every site we close, five new ones come up. For every five we close, a hundred come up, and they can produce them instantly. And they keep promoting these um, uh, terrible messages. You know, we've had positive steps. The government of the UK um, banned Hamas. You know, acknowledge now that there's no military and political wing, which the killing of Mr. K, I think, proved also that a guy who was tolerated because he was in the, quote, political wing of Hamas, you see that it's no political wing. They're all terrorists, and, and uh, it's one terrorist organization. Um, and the the uh, Britain, um, after 20 years, finally corrected this this um, anomaly. There are others that are, are looking at it as well, Australia, um, because this and the significance is that a lot of money goes from England to Hamas. This will stop that. Wow! Um, but a, a real practical <laughs> reason to have it to have it altered, right? And uh, no, because a lot of times we think it's symbolism. A lot of times we think it's rhetoric. This is practical in, in addition to all that. There is a practical, exactly. There is practical implication. Uh, for this, and we have to go even further about um, than than this, but it's an important step. Right, you know, a, a really well-respected Jewish leader. And sorry to toot my own horn, but I'm going to do it. Uh, and and it, it's really sad that I have to do it, or that I acknowledge this because it tells us the conditions of what's happening in the media out there. When someone says to me, a respected Jewish leader says to me this week, uh, the the only the only time people can hear the truth is to hear your Friday conversations. Now, Malcolm, that's wonderful, and it's a great pitch, but it's sad that, that this is one of the few places where people can actually hear the truth about what's going on and the truth about how the Jewish community and leadership and lay people should react to what's going on. And all of us have to wake up. It's amazing that you just painted a picture of all of us being asleep at the wheel. Everyone's got to wake up, otherwise this is just going to get worse and worse. It, it is getting worse and worse, and I, I would say that much more is going on than is visible including some very in-depth stuff that, that um, I think will be important. But it's an overwhelming task, and people are very lazy. People are, you know, they get upset, but they get upset at me and then tell me what to do, but they themselves won't do anything mm-hmm. about it because our voices only depend on the the, the voices of Amcha. Right. And often, I have to say this, that, that the non-Jewish community right. organization also often will be the much more vocal right. on some of these things. Yeah, look, we, we consider these conversations a call to action, and people have to act. When there's a call to action, folks, you have to act. Otherwise, what's it worth? It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And and the point I was making earlier about the murder of L.E.K. of blessed memory and uh, is that sometimes we have to realize, especially those of us who you know remember the days when these terror attacks were happening, unfortunately, on a daily basis, uh, they're never going to fully disappear. I mean, the, the enemy is very clever, and they think of really interesting ways to infiltrate and to get their evil ways done. Um, and their evil acts done. So, you know, I, I think it, I, I know that it sounds, you know, pretty, 
It's pretty depressing to hear me say it, but I think that's, that that's part of the perspective, right, Malcolm? No matter how good and peaceful times are, and no matter what our relationship is with the UAE and other countries, there are always going to be efforts to literally murder Jews in the street. There are, and they are increasing, and it's not just we have to see it in our own country. When you see the statistics, uh, the FBI reports that come out and the reports of the crimes that uh, and the rise of anti-Semitic uh, incidents on campuses and physical assaults that um, can take manifest themselves in many ways, both against individuals and against institutions associated with the Jewish community. Certainly in Europe, we have seen this uh, continue. And the, our voices really matter. We have to hold our uh, law enforcement to account, our political leaders. We have to legislate. That's why we push the IRA definition, because it gives you a standard against which to measure the compliance and the actions of, of governments, that they have a, a, a definition that they can look at, because if you can't define it, you can't fight it. And I, I know a lot of people raise questions about why the emphasis on it, and it's because when states adopted, universities adopted, others, and you look at the examples that are attached to the actual declaration, you'll see how comprehensive it is and how it covers a lot of the things that we see on campus that some would say, well, it's just freedom of speech, or, you know, you can do all of those things. No, you can't do all of those things. Yeah. And when the Shin Bet reports that a major Hamas terror plan with more than 50 cell members uh, has been stopped in the, uh, in the area of, uh, of Samaria, um, we, we need to remember, as you always remind us, that these types of, uh, of activities, you know, squelching um, a terror attacks or, 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 you know, terror plans are going on on a daily basis. So it, with this all- was a massive uh, action, and the the fact that they arrested these fifty Hamas operatives in the in the West Bank, and they were in the advanced stages of major terrorist attacks, according to the Shin Bet and others, they found a lot of weapons and stuff for uh, ex- at least four explosive belts for suicide attacks. It was led by the deputy head of the Hamas Politburo, and again goes back to our point before. But and and also by a guy, one of the leaders, uh, Nanajib, who is based in Turkey, and one of the reasons why, when people ask us what the continuing anger in, against Turkey, is because they allow Hamas to operate, and that orders are given out from there, mm. and uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of shekels were invested in their activities, uh, and I think they offered a million dollars, whoever carried out a, a successful kidnapping. And, uh, you know, so when people raise questions, say, well, Hamas, you're, you're just focusing on targeting them. No, this is the reality of Hamas. And all those who aid and abet it have to be held accountable for it. You mentioned earlier about Iran and the less likely, I mean, New York Times had an article about it. Others are writing about it. The, 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 it more likely to be a scaled down Iran deal or no deal at all uh, moving forward. Th- does that tell us that the Obama administration was desperate to get a deal and want to do so under any circumstances or facts on the ground and the situation today is just so different that we can't expect it to be the same as it was back in 2015? No, the 2015 deal was deeply flawed. 
did not address a lot of the concerns. It didn't address the broader picture of Iran's aggressiveness and, uh, uh, and aggression in the region and beyond. It didn't deal with their terrorist activities and support for terrorist organizations. It, you know, these are all vital issues, but they're all saying that has to be dealt with in a separate uh, document. They rushed to, to, into this without thinking. You know, they had the sunset clauses about when different provisions would end. We're already there. We're seeing the end of it. And in the meantime, they're enriching it 60 percent and increasing the amount by 10 percent, 12 percent every month. They have um, so huge stockpiles that violate the JCPOA. They, they enrich, which is supposed to be at a 3.67 level, is now at 60 percent. And they have huge amounts at 20 and 60 percent. They, we know that they're violating virtually every aspect with the advanced centrifuges that they put in place that they're not supposed to. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency visited there in the last days and came away with zero. They don't allow they don't allow the IEA to have cameras, which they're supposed to, to monitor uh, facilities or to let them go to Karaj, where we believe that more advanced work is being done. And uh, he, he literally came away with nothing. And I think that the the uh, European countries with whom uh, the Iranians will meet on the 29th, not with the U.S. By the way, the U.S. is not party to that. Mm. They'll be there. And but when we see the statements, the, you know, Rob Malley making optimistic statements, when we don't see any foundation for it, and yet at the same time we hear, well, we're ready for anything. We will. We we have alternatives. If they don't comply, we're going to take steps. But they're not specific. Whether do they mean more sanctions or other things? In the meantime. The economy of Iran is tottering. The the currency is the um, number of uh, people who are unemployed amongst young people. I, I can go through all the statistics. As you know, we keep in touch with them uh, about the uh, the situation. It's so funny because the the mainstream media has been painting a picture that they're actually rebuilding and and recovering. They're not rebuilding anything. I can tell you, they are building things. They you know they they put in their own Bavaris three seventy three aircraft. Any aircraft system, um, they're trying to, um, you know, locate it in uh, other places. The fact is that they are doing nothing. They haven't made any concessions. The uh, the hardliners, hard, super hardliners, and the monsters and others, and now you have a super hardline government. They can't make the excuse that it's a Rouhani and who is really a hard extremist as well. Um, but you know, they're saying we're not going to make any concessions. They don't talk about any other issues. They're talking only about getting rid of the sanctions, and if we in fact do that, if we lift sanctions at a time when we have them on the ropes, when COVID has taken a very heavy toll there, and the, uh, you know, we, we've allowed them to, um, to evade the sanctions and to export oil, and this month I think they said it was like a million, 200,000 barrels at a high, much higher price. You know, it went from 26, 25 to 75 dollars. And Iran will, will get at least a billion dollars this year when we're supposed to be imposing sanctions and restrictions on them, uh, not humanitarian restrictions for those who are going to jump to the defense. <laughs> uh, and, and, oh, people yeah. say to me, well, medicine, oh, no, that's not covered by this. It's very clear what the um, what the laws and what and they continue to what the sanctions cover and they continue to to support Hamas and, and Hezbollah and all of these other groups. Uh, so we're facing a situation where Iran is is moving ahead. They're turning to they're, they, they they boldly proclaim how they harassed American Navy uh, nine times in the last uh, two years or so. 
documenting it that the Navy goes out and says for every time they killed one of our sailors, we attack them, meaning Western and U.S. interests, uh, ships and others. They continue to promulgate the story that, that how they took away this ship that America seized when it, it's a complete lie. They seized the boat. They did it as a sham exercise to be able to boast about it. But, but the whole story, and yet the media bought it hook, line, and sinker. And, and, and when it was shown not to have been true by U.S. officials and others, you don't see them, them retracting and, and saying how they were uh, manipulated. So right now we're looking at the possibility of a partial nuclear deal with Iran. Uh, Israel has been warning consistently uh, against it and that uh, temporary limits don't, don't stop them in their long-term uh, drive. Uh, we're, we're rushing towards uh, other deadlines that once passed will open up all the possibilities uh, for them to, to move quickly and that their breakout time continues to shrink, meaning the time from right. which they can move into to getting a, uh, a, a nuclear weapon. And, um, and, and just um, know that they, have, um, they haven't yet fixed a warhead that's small enough to be put on top of the 3,000 ballistic missiles we believe they have, but they're rapidly moving towards it to, to all the phases of what it takes to have a nuclear weapon and to be able to launch it. They test the ballistic missiles. So no one should be put off that the talks are in any way a favorable thing at this point. If Iran if, and the Europeans and U.S. would really put the crush on them, they can't stand against it. The internal situation is is terrible. One of the reasons they do all this drone stuff is, one, it's effective, too, because their Air Force is so old and antiquated, and it shows how the sanctions impact. If only people would realize how close the world is to literally stepping on their throat, not letting go, and putting an end to them. But uh, nobody wants to take that final, uh, that final leap. And, and the people in Iran keep telling us it. Yeah. You know, they, 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 and they're willing to take the burden of of uh, the consequences of increased sanctions if it meant that this regime, right. this oppressive regime, would be removed from, from their necks. All right, two quick things and then a quick Hanukkah message. Uh, any big deal that Prince Charles made his first post-COVID foreign trip to Egypt? Anything? Any big deal about this or not? No, I think it's a bigger deal that Britain, you know, listed Hamas. Um Look, right. it's always significant when uh, uh, things like this happen. But Britain is actually moving its training base to Oman from Europe. Um, they say it's closer to potential places where they have to use it, like Iran. So that's a good message. Uh, so um, I think that the um, um, the, the, the visit, uh, every visit is significant. We have to show these countries support, especially those who joined the Abraham Accords. They have to know that we're going to be with them. And then they have to back these countries. When Bahrain foiled a big attack and confiscated Iranian weapons, when um, the, the um, UAE stands against Iran, and when we see the, the dangers that it poses, that's really where the, the voices count. Right. Understood. And also, maybe we should start with this next week because Germany is always seen as such an important leader and leadership role in Europe and whether it's the EU or Europe in general. Uh, what do we know about the new German, uh, the likely German chancellor, Olaf Scholz? And what do we know about the new likely German foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock? Generally, they, people are, are positive about the, the change. You know, uh, Merkel had enjoyed a special status 
and ruled for all of these years, um, did reach out to Israel and was considered um, supportive and positive changes. I think in more recent years it was it wasn't seen as strong as it was before, but I think it was sustained throughout that she she moved it in the right direction. And uh, the the new government already announced that they are going to reach out to the Jewish community and make sure that they're secure and that they, Jewish life can flourish there and that they will sustain the relationship with Israel. And Hanukkah message, especially now during these crazy times when we try to think of and remember history of the Jewish people, especially for the Hanukkah episode, and at the same time uh, look look forward to the work that needs to be done and what uh, what needs to be corrected in this world. So I want to take a little bit of a different approach and just two things that came out in the last few days. One is of an 11-year-old girl in the Sifting Project who found a 2,000-year-old silver coin from the period of the Great Revolt against the Romans that should be found during this week. One side, it has an inscription that's really shekel and the second year, meaning it was the second year of the revolt in 68 CE, and on the other side, wow. it had an inscription, Holy Jerusalem, in, in ancient Hebrew script. And if this isn't a reminder to us and a message to us, uh, it was found on the pilgrimage ro- road, which those who have visited, uh, you know, comes from Meshiloach, from the Shiloh pool. But the other thing is an amazing discovery of a fortress from the Seleucid times that were destroyed by the Maccabees, and have been a mystery till now, but it seems that the buildings collapsed, and therefore a lot of it was remained intact. But it, it documents what was probably the last battle by John Hyrtonus, uh, who was a uh, Kohen uh, Gadol and uh, uh, ruler of, uh, of Yehuda of Judea, and he was a nephew of Yehuda Maccabee. And the uh, the story that was that this now underscores. Um, that they that the army was seen as it approached, and so they all fled, and therefore we have intact the evidence of the last battle of the Maccabees. So tell this to your kids, tell them the stories. It's it's so important that they know this is not mythology and it's not uh, you know um, fairy tales, but they found hundreds of pottery shards, coins, everything that that document, and even little jugs like the one that was in the base of Mikdash, they believe, that made the miracle of Hanukkah possible. So people were getting the messages. Just got to be awake to them, be alert to them. Every reason to be optimistic. We overcame terrible odds in the past. We will overcome the challenges today. Phenomenal message, and boy, do we need that pep talk this time. I'll tell you, 5782-2021, crazy times, everybody. Let's utilize the holiday of Hanukkah to, in fact, remember the past, but to look to the bright future as long as we're there to continue fighting the battle, the same one the Maccabees were fighting, frankly. Uh, Malcolm, I take this opportunity to wish you a very uh, wonderful Hanukkah, and I hope we get to speak Arab Shabbos Hanukkah next week here at JM&M. Uh, God willing, I hope so. Uh, I should be able, but I'll be traveling this coming weeks to carry this message everywhere. So, God willing, I'll do it as often as I can. Much appreciated. Seriously, much appreciated. I think uh, it's one of the things I learned from the comment that that person made to me this week is that the efforts we make um, every time to to do this segment 
Uh, hopefully we'll have tremendous results. People are asleep at the wheel. We need them to uh, heed the call to action and get involved as much as possible. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev with candle lighting time at 4.10 in New York. 4.10 is candle lighting time in New York City. Uh, Rabbi Yudin's words this morning about Parshas Vayeshev and the holiday of Hanukkah will be dedicated uh, to uh, the memory of Hanalea Bas Meir Halevi, our wonderful listener, Ruvain Brick, uh, is observing the 11th yard site of his mother, Hanalea Bas Meir Halevi, and we will dedicate Rabbi Yudin's words to her memory. Uh, one of the amazing benefits of having Rabbi Yudin on live today is when he is on live, generally, it is when he is traveling and visiting and celebrating a simcha in the Holy Land. Uh, we love connecting to the Holy Land. It's one of the missions of this network, to keep people in diaspora connected as much as possible to our dear Holy Land. And uh, I'm proud to say that's where Rabbi Yudin is right now as he is set to address us regarding um, the Torah portion and the holiday of Hanukkah. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Uh, okay, good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. It's a little bit after three in the afternoon. I happen to be spending Shabbos in Ashkelon. I can only tell you, not to make you jealous, but rumor has it that back where you and Nachum are, it's a bit chilly. I have not worn a coat except for one night to go to Myrim. You don't even need a coat in the nighttime. That's how beautiful the weather has been. So I can only say, come to Eretz Israel. Not just for Shabbos, come for the Erev Shabbos. Come to see the hustle and bustle in the streets. You can feel Shabbos is coming in Eretz Yisrael. I always tell you that. Yes, we have Shabbos back in the States. We don't have the Erev Shabbos. And, well, I come for a lot more than just Shabbos and Erev Shabbos. I can only tell you what a privilege it is to be here and to try to soak up as much as possible from Eretz HaKedosha. Okay, I think we should start with Hanukkah, Habo'olinu, the Tova, on Sunday evening, and then afterwards I hope we'll have a chance to bring in something regarding Pasha's Vayesha. Okay, so the first thing we should understand historically is that Purim and Hanukkah, the two rabbinic holidays, is that Purim came before Hanukkah. Purim came at the end of the 70 years of exile after the destruction of the first Beis Hamikdash by the Babylonians. And we, at the end of the 70 years, we got permission from Daryodesh, the son of Achashverosh and Esther, Hamalka, to build the second Beis Hamikdash. And midway in the second Beis Hamikdash was the time when the Greeks tried to literally suppress any other kind of lifestyle other than their own. And very basically, I can say, because the Greeks, who valued knowledge, and therefore, who was on a pedestal, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, but what do they understand? Only human knowledge. 
and could not understand something which was Seichel Eloka, namely divine knowledge. And so, sure, they think that man should have a day off, but that you can't make a barbecue on your day off. And uh, sure, they think that uh, you can believe in a God, but don't you dare mutilate the human body, and especially a baby boy on the eighth day. And so that which they could not understand rationally, logically, they did not accept. So, And there was no tolerance for Jewish life, Jewish values. So let's get one thing very clear. Purim was a threat to the body of the Jew. Haman didn't care if you were observant or not observant. You were Jewish. Haman wanted to kill you. And that's why, how do we celebrate Purim? By gladdening the body. Namely, you must have a Purim Sa'uda, a meal, a festive meal on Purim. Not so Hanukkah. We are on Hanukkah. It was not a threat against the body of the Jew. So the Jew acquiesced and said, I will not keep Shabbos. I will not keep Pesachim. I will not circumcise. I will not keep kosher. They let him alone. It was only when a Jew stood up against them that they were threatened. So since the threat was not to the body of the Jew, but to the soul of the Jew, to the Shema of the Jew, therefore the halacha tells us that we celebrate, as the Gemara tells us, with Hallel and Hoda'ah. Hallel is an all eight days of Hanukkah to recite Hallel Shalem. And Hoda'ah is, we include in the Shiva, in the Shemona Esrei, Al-Hanisim, and we include it as well in the Birkas Hamazon. And needless to say, we have the Mitzvah of Hadlokas Meir Hanukkah. But this is something which is extremely important. Yes, there is no Mitzvah to have both Hanukkah parties. In fact, the Baruch Hashem families, friends get together. That's wonderful. And we can make it into a Sudash Mitzvah by sharing the Torah, by speaking about the miracles of Hanukkah, by singing appropriate zeros regarding the occasion. Okay, let's begin with the time of lighting the Hanukkah. The ideal time is close to when the stars come out. In the New York area, we're talking approximately between 5 and 5.10 in the evening. And the halacha says that while you should write as early as possible to that magic number of 5, 5, 10, you can write which literally means until they stop walking in the street. In yesteryear, in the days of the Talmud, it was a very short window. There was no night light. You couldn't do anything outside. It was totally pitch dark. Today, that has changed. And therefore, while ideally, one should light at the proper time, if, however, one has to light later, one can light as long as the menorah is going to be seen either ideally from the outside or from those who are up and present with you in your home. If a person gets home at 2 in the morning and his home does not face a street where there's traffic, etc., uh, 
need to address it. Then, interestingly, the corporate client in the Mishnah Bura says, try if you can to wake one person and say, you don't have to put your boat guy on, but please come down and be there for my Hazlaka. Others disagree with this Mishnah Bura. Okay, whenever you write, if you're writing in the right time, it has to burn for at least a half an hour. And that's why I caution that even the small, colorful candles, maybe they say put it in the freezer for, you know, an hour or two before you're going to use it, etc. Because you want to make sure they burn at least four. Now, we'll talk about a piece card next Friday. Obviously, four candles when you do that look at their Shabbos today. There's no way you can use those small candles for next week. But to prepare already the next week, Shabbos candles or oil that will be able to be lit at approximately 4.05 next week and burn until a half an hour after the 5.10. Okay, now, um, during the week, if you're lighting early, and the earliest you can light is Praga Mincha, which is about 3.30, etc., you have to once again make sure that you're using a lot of oil or large candles. I, it's preferable to use oil because that's where the uh, miracle happens with the oil. Peace card this Sunday night. Three brachos. The Hadlik Mayor, the Light Seminorah, Shaosha Nisim, the Kodesh Baruch who performs miracles for the Jewish people, and Sheikh Yonah. Now, Immediately after, you say the three brachos before you light the candle this Sunday night over last year. And the rest of the week, when you do not decide again the Shafiano, the first two brachos, so then we recite the first two brachos and then we light the candle. Now, immediately after lighting the candle, and we put these candles and oils in from left to right, and we light light from right to left. Okay. Immediately thereafter, we say the paragraph, Anero Tavolu, which you should know what we are saying. These candles we light to commemorate the miracles, and we say, You don't have permission to utilize them. Why not? I'm going to give you two reasons why you can't use the Hanukkah candle for your own personal use. Number one, think about it. The night before Hanukkah, the night after Hanukkah, they lit candles. If they didn't light candles, they couldn't see. They were completely and totally in the dark. Ah, so if that's the case, that the candles are so necessary, if we were to light candles, how would we know, how would anybody realize that this was being done to commemorate a miracle? The lighting candles every night. Manishtana, Alayla, Zeth, we call Alayla. Ah, the fact that tonight I can't get benefit from the candles, ah, that shows that I'm lighting it for the mitzvah and not for my own personal uh, pleasure, Zeth. And secondly, it's like the light in the Beisamikdash. Assuming there was a cigarette that was not injurious to your health, maybe even healthy, 
up with something like that. Now what? The Kohen could not go to the menorah in the base of Mikdash and light up for a kosher cigarette. You can't get enough from those lights. Ah, our lighting of our light in our home is our way of elevating our home and saying we are emulating that which was done in the base of Mikdash. It's a charge that we should bring more Kedusha into our home. The Gemara says regarding their Hanukkah, near is a base You require a home. A person who sleeps on a park bench, number one, he doesn't have a mezuzah on the park bench, and he just know him, and they say he's okay, he's harmless. Let him sleep on the park bench. He can't light the menorah on the park bench. It has to be connected to a bias to a home. Now, ideally, and an area to trail, part of the gym is becoming more and more popular to light in front of the home. In Chutzah RS, still not so popular, but to light in a window which is going to face the public in order to fulfill the Simei Nisa the publicizing of the miracle. Now, who lights, according to Sardic tradition, one menorah per household. The Abba of the household lights for all of the members therein. The Ashkenazic practice is that the wife is included in the husband's lighting and the, the chorus, the male, writes their own menorah. Some families have the custom that the women and girls would like as well. Okay, you write the menorah where you are sleeping, not where you are eating dinner. So if you're invited, to someone's home for dinner during Hanukkah, if you're not sleeping there, you're not lighting there, and you're not going to give them any money to join in with their lighting. It's only if you're sleeping then that saying that that house is considered your house for the night. Either you bring your own menorah and you light in somebody else's house, or you contribute by giving a quarter or half a dollar, whatever it is, just some money that you are now becoming a partner in the candle, a partner in the oil, and the house, the head of the household is lighting not just his, but lighting yours, meaning his and yours together, so that we, uh, you can satisfy your mixture that way. There is a custom of lighting the Hanukkah menorah in the Pesach Knesset, in the synagogue, with a bracha, between Mincha and Mari, for Prisumenisa, for publicizing the miracle. But no one is yoke with that um, lighting of the menorah in the Pesach Knesset. Not even the one who makes the brachos. Is he yoke He has to go home and make the brachos as well. Okay? And... Even in shul, important to know that Shlomo Zalman, the Rav Satzal, felt very strongly 
that it's only between Mincha and Mayrev that you could, should, light the menorah with a bracha. If there is, let's say, a 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock Mayrev every night, and you're going to that Mayrev, and there's a million in Shul, don't light the menorah with a bracha then. It's only between Mincha and Mayrev that would be. And therefore, at all kinds of public gatherings, consonants during uh, Hanukkah, Light the menorah, it's wonderful, but not with a bracha. A bracha is only in one's home or in a shul, not for public gatherings, meetings, shiurim, etc. Okay? And next, just know that we include Alanisa in the silos in the Shmona Esrei. If you forgot to include it, you don't repeat the Shmona Esrei. And... Uh, we do it as well in the Birkat muzzle. If you got it in the Birkat muzzle, again, you don't go back. There isn't the very end. Uh, before you conclude the Birkat muzzle, Arachmon, Siyasavan, Remission, and you can say again in there, the name of the show, to talk about Mithashem next Friday, what's the story with, to get Alanisim on uh, Shabbos Hanukkah. Okay. I'd like to just Tie in Hanukkah with Pashat Vayeshev in the following way. And all of Vayeshev symbolizes or demonstrates Ashkocha Pratis. Ashkocha Pratis is divine uh, providence, Akadosh Baruch Hu running the world. Let's look and take a look what's happening. And Yosef is sold down to Mitzrayim. How could this be? How could it be? Shifte Kah, wonderful people. The answer is one way or another. Rabos Machshavos Kravich, Atat Hashem Nisokum. The divine plan of history that God has has to happen. God said to Avram in chapter 15 in Bereshit, Yodoa Teda, you should surely know that your children are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs. They're going to be persecuted, made into slaves for 400 years. This has to happen. And so how it happens? I could have borrowed from orchestrate that it happens with Mechila Yosef. Yaakov will come down to see his beloved Yosef. Mechula, Mechula. What do we find? Therefore, when Yaakov sends Yosef down to his brothers, but may Amen, Rashi says, come on, several is not in the valley, but from the Isa Amukha to fulfill that which God said to those who are residing in several, meaning Avrabu's buried in several. When Yosef is thrown into the pit, the Torah tells us the pit was empty. Okay, there was no water, but you know the Rashi, one of the more famous Rashi's in the whole Torah, that there was no water put in the snakes and scorpions, which clearly did not touch Yosef. Uh, and finally, what was the caravan taking? Who cares? As the Torah tells us, they were taking perfume. Why? Because normally they were taking petroleum, something which had a foul odor to it. And now they were taking something, a pleasant odor, that the Tzadik shouldn't, Yosef shouldn't have to suffer anymore. Amazing. This is called the divine wing. This is called Ashkocha Pratis. And this is Hanukkah. What does that mean? If you take a look 
in the Zot HaBrachot, where when Moshe is blessing Levi, Oreich Hashem Tzeilov, see an incredible Rashi. The Rashi says that there were 12 Hashmonoyim against the Greek army. Now, don't get me wrong, even if you want to make them captive, there was such a small as we say, army, as we say in the Alanisim, that it was Rabin Biyad Ma'atim, that was the many that was given over into this group. There's no greater Hashkocha Pratis than that. And the whole purpose about putting the Hanukkah Menorah where it can be seen by others is to remind us performs Nisim miracles, which are wow, such as the oil should burn for one day, burns for eight. That's a wow of a miracle. Telling all of us that the military victory was no less a wow. And finally, as the Ramban says at the end of Pasha's bow, from the open miracle, we are reminded that every day, Kodesh Baruch Hu showers us with miracles. Anisecha shebuchol yomi mona. And therefore, I take this opportunity of wishing Nachum and his family and our entire family of listeners of JM in the AM to realize how privileged we are to, as we like the menorah to say that we are Baruch Hashem. Ki onu anecha. We are Hashem your people, and thank you for the constant miracle and Ashkocha Pratis that you provide for us. Shabbat Shalom and a wonderful, meaningful Hanukkah to all.
Okay. 
one of the most popular Hanukkah selections out there. That's Daddy Come Home from the Yeshiva Boys Choir. You heard Boker Tov, done by Mordechai Shapiro. Chasof, that was Yaakov Shweki's. We get set to wish everybody a Freilich and Chanukah. Chagurim Sameach, a happy Chanukah. Remember, we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves will be Shabbos and Sunday. And the wonderful holiday of Chanukah begins on Sunday night. Which is pretty amazing. Wow. Where were we last Chanukah? And it's one year later. Hard to believe, frankly. JM in the AM on a Friday morning, Arab Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and alchemsegal.com and the alchemsegal network and of course the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JM in the AM. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving, everybody. And now get set for the holiday of Hanukkah, which is always amazing. Starts on Sunday night. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh next week will be Shabbos and Sunday. And in New York, candle lighting is 410. Make sure you know when things start where you are because it's a pretty early Shabbos. After all, we're at the very end of November. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is so appreciated. Don't forget, we have an amazing, amazing day today. Mark Zamek in the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, our final hour at about 3 p.m. this afternoon, Eastern time. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And, of course, Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Erev Hanukkah. Thank you, Matis. Monday, I speak to you from this studio, and I look forward to it. Happy Hanukkah. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, and again, happy Hanukkah. Tom Monday Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.